I'm Lieutenant Pat Doring, Crisis Negotiator from TwoGuysTalkingStarWars.com, and you're listening to the Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. podcast via the Two Guys Talking Podcast Network. S.H.I.E.L.D. It's an organization that both exists and doesn't exist all at the same time. For those in the know, S.H.I.E.L.D., the Strategic Homeland Intervention, Enforcement, and Logistics Division is the counterterrorism and intelligence agency run by Director Nick Fury. Its global reach, with thousands of operatives with differing skill sets across the globe, continues to grow. S.H.I.E.L.D.'s activities have been documented for a long time, both in comic books and feature films. Those legendary tales now transfer to the smaller screen in a weekly series on ABC via Marvel's Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., a chronicle of the findings of a crack team of S.H.I.E.L.D. agents. This is the detailed review of those chronicles. Set your life model decoy to take care of life's business for now. It's time for another episode of the Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. podcast from Two Guys Talking. A year gone by. 8.5 plus collective hours of Marvel Cinematic canonic storytelling, emotions, and perspective have elapsed and laid groundwork for the next decade of history to come. How does a tiny, insignificant, 43-minute episodic television series somehow weave itself into all of it? The answer? We'll share it with you as we snap back to a true bit of normalcy during the Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. podcast. A complete, detailed, and always educational review of each and every episode of Marvel's Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. on ABC and Hulu streaming. This time, Season 6, Episode 1, Missing Pieces. Greetings, everybody. I'm Mike Wilkerson, one of your hosts. And I'm Nicholas J. Hearn, your other host. Nick, it's great to be back after, my God, a year. Yes, it's been a year for us. Anybody <laughs> listening into the future, it's just the next episode. Yeah, it's we, we traditionally don't mark things like that, yeah, but, but I don't know how we could not possibly at least provide a, a, a bullet point someplace right. inside of our program in regard to span and time of what was and what is because of how the people that tell the story handed us the story. Yes. Uh, this is, I've been t- talking with podcaster Kip about this regularly in that just like the box office and the impact making that has happened with both infinity war and Endgame. I don't think you and I will see or experience anything like this in our collective lives again. I, I, I'm trying to imagine something that will be this big and epic again. We'll give Marvel I, another another ten years. another ten years, and I'm, I'm sure they'll come up with something else. I'm super eager to see where they're going to take us during the next series of storytelling, but more importantly, during this next series of Agents of Shield episodes, because there's so much story to somehow weave into and and incorporate and and make clear picture making sense or is there we'll get into that inside the episode first some quick housekeeping the podcaster matrix i cannot believe that our agents of shield program has never mentioned the podcaster matrix but that's because the podcaster matrix came into fruition during the year off (laughs) <laughs> right. Yes. So the Podcaster Matrix, for those of you that have not been listening to any of our other programming, is a phenomenal service, especially if you've got either just the idea for a podcast or you are a podcast. If you're looking to save money 
If you're looking to find out more details about how to be a more effective podcast, or if you just need some great hosting that's going to save you oodles of cash, check out podcastermatrix.com. We'll be mentioning it on and off throughout the entire season of Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. podcast. So much value. One address to remember, podcastermatrix.com. The podcast review show linkages. I've had the wonderful honor of interacting with Hall of Fame podcaster Dave Jackson, who has not not only been a great source of information and tutelage in regard to podcasting, he also has formerly reviewed three of the two guys talking branded programs. Mm-hmm. Yes. And I'm very excited to share all of the links to Nick's Two Guys Talking Horror episode, the mm-hmm. focus on nine Halloween specials you probably have forgotten about. You were so close. It was seven. Seven. There's a couple of honorable mentions, perhaps, so we can call it nine. <laughs> There's also a link over to a What Cops Watch episode, The Fugitive. For those of you that didn't know that that was in existence or haven't listened to it yet, be sure you check that out, but also listen to the review of that podcast. It's very interesting. Lots of light bulb moments. And then the third one, of course, is on a podcast that Nick concepted that we've been pulling off now for the entire first season of its run. It's the Curious Goods podcast. A podcast that focuses on reviewing the show. Friday the 13th, the series, as in the <laughs> the series that was on 80s television about cursed antiques and the acquisition of, of grabbing those antiques and throwing them into the sacred vault yeah. to where they can never hurt anybody again. And it's really been a lot of fun. It's a complete departure in regard to content. And uh, while it's definitely got the two guys talking waft of flavor across it, that one also gets reviewed as the trifecta inside that review series. We're going to provide links inside the show notes so that you guys can go and listen to the reviews of those programs, and we'd love to know what you thought about them. Nick, the housekeeping is over. The year wait is done. Oh, yes. It's time to jump in with both feet into the review of Season 6, Episode 1, Missing Pieces, during the Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. podcast. Sponsored by Acoustica's Mixed Craft Recording Software, Blogger's Bug, and the St. Charles Office Center. White screen. Very interesting snapping into a white screen inside of this episode because I, I think what I, I don't, I won't use the word covet, but what I'm looking most forward to inside of this episode is what's the deal? How are they going to take this tiny little television show and somehow weave it into the epic storytelling that's occurred over three giant Marvel cinematic properties over the course of a year? How is that going to get done? And so when I initially see the white screen as it fades into, oh, hey, look, it's Fitz. I'm wondering, okay, so now what? And I'm sitting and I'm watching and I'm waiting and we don't get any of it. You, you get nothing. And I was amazed that the story, especially the front end of the story, is able to allow you to skip by the tether. I I wasn't dashed that, for all intents and purposes, we have nothing that tethers this to the epic eight and a half plus hours of storytelling that's happened inside the cinematic universe. I think that's brilliant writing. Well, let's not forget that the last episode of season five, the end also didn't have anything to do with, at that time, Infinity War. Which, Infinity War had already been out. Are they going to tie in the snappening 
to the end of of season five, mm-hmm. which they didn't. And I remember we I remember our our conversation during that episode was. We loved that fact because it makes this show stand on its own. Yeah. And yet again, here we are. This show is standing on its own. It is not relying on the cinematic universe to dictate what it needs to tell story-wise. Yeah. And it's it, it, it's and a better show for that. Not only that, it I, you're absolutely right. It, not only is it a better show, it's a bold show. Mm. We, we'd already talked the dreams of avarice and positives inside of Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. for... Jesus, years now. Right, right. And how much we like the storytelling elements. And there's been a couple of tiny little pinpricks in regard to what we didn't like. But the vast majority of it's been overwhelmingly positive. And so being able to take that desire of solid storytelling and just continue it. I I have to think that that had to be a, a primary objective inside of a writer's room someplace. Where, look, we creation is literally going to change in, quote, the universe that surrounds this program. But we have to stay steadfast and somehow write something strong to get people that have been watching and are loyal to continue watching and be loyal. And if there is no impact, if there is no bleed from the snapping inside of this program, it needs to not matter. Right. It doesn't mean that it's not important, but inside of our program, our, our sphere of writing, it needs to not matter. And they've done it. They've absolutely done it through this first episode, and I was absolutely amazed. Totally agree. Because they could not start small. This speaks also not only to the pace of the storytelling that's offered inside of this episode, because I love it. I love the the ebb and flow inside of this episode, I think, is probably probably close to perfect. Mm -hmm. Mostly because none of it is super slow. None of it is super fast. It's all an excellent little gas pedaling as if you were traversing from point A to point H inside of a piece of travel inside of your city. And that's what it's supposed to be. Right. It, it, it doesn't have to be the, the wild, eagle-like roller coaster ride every single episode. And while you definitely well, have you ups, get tired. You would definitely you would. get tired with yeah. that because if you're watching a show, especially a 44-minute show, that to, you know, minus the commercials. Right. And every episode is just nonstop action packed. You're going to get tired. Mm-hmm. Not only tired of when do we get a break, but then tired of wow, I've seen this before. I've seen it over and over and over again. When am I going to see something different? And this, ha- it's the perfect formula of action, exposition, and story building yeah. all wrapped in it. And it's and, because of the pace. And a piece of your favorite thing across every property that we review, Nick, is character development. Yes. Oh, and, gosh. I love and it. And there is, there, I know we're going to talk about it later in a bunch of other points that mm. I've written, but that it is gold. It is gold. It is when you don't have to have a, a blank frame presented and then whoop, something pops open and then you get the dialogue barfing right. session of this person is blah, blah, blah. And now we'll have four or five paragraphs of bullshit. Allows me, allow me to, to introduce Basil Exposition. <laughs> yes, that's, that's exactly right. And we don't have any of that. No. There's, there is zero of that. And inside of this it's episode. It's peppered into the dialogue it's, beautifully. It, it's, it's wonderful. It adds, to the, it adds to the pizzazz of what you're getting. And also, again, it, it provides that bakey smoked flavor on the crunchy top of the macaroni and cheese that allows you to take in the episode. That has nothing to do with the eight and a half hours of cinematic kick-assery that's going on. Yeah. No, this, it's, this it's, is, it's, it's about super. Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. It's yes. about these characters. Yes. 
and their continued adventure. Big effects for big things. Wow, this is just tremendous. When you see the weapon sever the ship in half, you know, everybody's seen a giant weapon sever some ship in some program before. So you think, how do we how do we make this look like something different? Well, here you go. Oh, yeah. It, it, it's very much like if I were to say, uh, if I say the word peanut butter, everybody thinks of the concept of, okay, peanut butter, I gotcha. Right. And, okay, awesome. But try this peanut butter. And you taste it and you go, my God, that is peanut butter, but what is that extra flavor? And you just go, I'm not going to tell you because it'll bring you back for next time. Well, they've done it again. Here I am with a giant, giant ass silver spoon of peanut butter. I just took my bite and I can't wait to get another one. That the effects are so big and so and so well done and not, look, it's a television budget bunch of crap that you get to watch on the screen. Well, yeah. It's, it's always been something that's impressive inside of, I think, Marvel in general. Mm-hmm. Uh, but especially so inside of the smaller HD screen because it could really fall apart quick. Since last season, and, and, and we've talked about this in seasons past, and the, the effects have gotten better over time because, you know, adding more money to a budget. But last season, I mean, last season we start off, we're in the future, crumbs of earth, lots of special effects, and good yeah. special effects. Always effective. And Always. we have not, they, they have not turned down the knob of quality mm-hmm. where that is concerned. Mm-hmm. And this right here is is a perfect example of it. Uh, this and, and mo- moving forward throughout the whole episode, the effects are... Stupendous I'll go because with it looks great. Yeah, it does. Especially if you have an HD screen. Yeah, mm-hmm. it feels almost movie esque. Yes. Yeah, and and I, again, I at some point someone in the the guidance bible of what happens with Agents of Shield goes, look, none of these effects can waver from what someone might have seen on the Endgame screen the morning before they come and watch this show on the smaller HD screen or on their in our case inside of their HD screen inside of their studio. Right. They have to somehow marry in quality. They can't you can't have rinky dink special effects in one and then kick assery in the other. It's not gonna work. Yeah, yeah. And they realized that and they absolutely brought their A plus game. Support crew that works and weaves more storytelling. Davis and quote the sidekick. This is I remember us talking specifically about these two last season but this same basket weaving storytelling character development tapestry that was being weaved last season with these two continues on inside of everybody that's introduced inside of this season already inside of the first 43 minutes well having piper and davis i well i mean i know piper piper's been around since the beginning yeah and I want to say Davis has two. He's been around a while. I know he's he's definitely been around for, for yeah. a very long time. Yeah. But but Piper and Davis are one of the last remnants of I don't want to say original Shield before the fall, but definitely Shield when it got built back up mm-hmm. by Talbot and director Jeffrey Mace, right? Patriot, right? Mm-hmm. The, who, yes, Patriot, yes. Having them still be around and on this wacky space adventure, too, is great because, again, it's it's harkening back to that tether to seasons past. And these are these side characters that pop up every every now and then 
And now we're actually having them face front, and I love that. Yeah, it, uh, what it also does is it helps deliver in a layer of it matters. Uh, for anyone that has been a science fiction fan at all, you say the concept of red shirt, and it instantly conjures exactly what it means for, I think, every <laughs> single every single story that's ever been told somehow contains what is a red shirt, which is just a worthless character that is cannon fodder for insert bad thing that happens. Yep. The sample inside of this episode would be towards the end where giant explodey building. Okay, awesome. Well, somebody's got to die because buildings don't just explode and nobody dies. Okay, well, we've got some of those. Mm -hmm. We don't know who they are, and now they're not there anymore, and they're dead. Okay, well, so there are some. But what they take care to do inside of this show all the time is to somehow covet the background characters that they know that they're going to have some development in so as to carry through the it matters portions, right. especially during perilous parts. Because if you've, if you've given some time and, and effort into character building, and then it's just taken away, and they're not there anymore. What 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 was what was, what was the point anyway? And so that uh, you're absolutely right that they have bothered to carry over these characters, but then showcase them into the wonderful pace, into the storytelling that stands on its own is brilliant work. A ceremonial crotch throw. Now this is our one and only time we will say that if somehow you are listening to this podcast. And have not seen the events of any of the movies, including Infinity War, Captain Marvel, and Endgame. You, sir, are an idiot. And you need to go and watch those movies. Uh, it, it, it's been a year. It's been months since Captain Marvel. It's been at least three weeks since the onset of Endgame. And so, game on for spoilers. Just to let you know. Inside this episode, we see, I think, an excellent tip of the hat to Black Widow herself with yet another wonderful crotch throw, this time by Daisy. Right, yes. Daisy's crotch throw and some aliens. Yeah, it, it, it's tremendous. I, it, it's fun to watch that move every single time, not because it involves an incredibly beautiful woman, but because it's just physics. <laughs> <laughs> Tossed in quick. I hate to sound like a broken record when we talk inside of these episodes in this series in general, but I love not only is the storytelling quick, I use the word quick here. This is your 85 mile an hour launch control mission inside this episode. Mm -hmm. You're brought back white screen and then snap, you are just launched into this episode and you don't really stop. Mm -hmm. there, there are some ebb and flows, just like in a really great roller coaster. And it's a hallmark of this program. It really is. Jocko arriveth. Nick has edited enough episodes, and I've talked about another different Jocko enough, that it was fun to see this, or rather, it was fun to hear this name, but then realize it was being spelled differently, pop up. Because there's someone I hold dear inside of general storytelling and podcasting circles that has the name Jocko. This is not that guy, <laughs> not by no. a stretch. And uh, the, the character Jocko arrives inside of this episode. And what I really liked as, again, as this develops is that this is not just, Hey, Hulk smash guy. It's not as much as you want to think that when you initially see him, it's not, mm -hmm. we're definitely going to get something thicker then when you hear the kind of word Jocko and you think, oh, Jocko smash. 
that's not what we're going to get inside this episode, or I think at all with this character throughout this insertion point for him as a storytelling element. Well, I'm more interested in how he shows up than who he is. Because, I mean, all, you look at him, he's just some reject from a Mad Max movie. But the fact that he comes sauntering through a rift in time and space through a concrete wall, I that's that's pretty impressive when you show up on the scene and then of course you know when your his, buddy doesn't his little do his it. sidekick you know <laughs> doesn't uh, quite make it all the way through yeah. and and becomes part of the wall the special effects grab you you're like whoa what is this and then the fact that uh, you know the the secondary character quote unquote dies mm-hmm. in the wall and you're like holy crap what what where are these people from and why are they coming through like this I mean, there are yeah. lots of questions And I love the fact that they leave you dangling. Time for effective info dump, round robin style. Again, you can go back to probably half a dozen episodes of Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. over the last several seasons. And you'll see a scene that is very much like this. Mm -hmm. It's never tired. It's always information laden. It's always great character development for every single person that's in the room rather than, hey, look, it's time to take our two master characters and give them lines while they're in proximity of other people standing around. You don't have that. You don't have that inside of this room. It's it's a game of catch with everybody in the room. Yeah. And I love scenes that are developed like this that are effective because everybody can name a movie or a television series where they've seen it done poorly. Oh, yeah. Because they, it still happens to this day. My example for a really great way of conveying information through dialogue with characters in a naturalistic way, go back and rewatch like the first three seasons of The West Wing. Aaron Sorkin's dialogue, the way that he writes dialogue, and then directs his actors to to convey it to, yeah. to convey it and deliver it. So natural. Yeah, I agree. It's like you're totally listening agree. in on a conversation. Yeah. And that's what they've got here mm-hmm. for Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. Anytime that we need the info dump, it's not a, all right, get ready, sit down, boys and girls, you're going to get exposition. Yeah. It's a conversation between a group of people, and you're a part of that conversation because you get to listen in, and you're getting the information just like the other characters in the room are getting the information. Yeah. And it never feels forced. Being reminded that Phil is not here. There's several moments inside the episode that we are reminded that Phil Coulson was not only sent off to die, as was inside of the last time on Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., but that he's not here. Mm-hmm. He's not here. Uh, what I also really appreciate is that they've moved May's character along, and she's not just doomy doom postpartum blah. Yeah, I'm really, really happy that we don't have to deal with that because it's not that I, I, I don't need to see any of that, but I don't know how that would foster the storytelling, especially what gets ladled on at the end of this episode. Right. So I'm really happy that we're past all that and that she's trying to convey and, and, and foster along other people with the experience of what she's had gone on in her life rather than we get to now witness more blah may. Right. I, I'm really happy that yeah. we went that direction. Yeah, she's not the monosyllabic May that we're used to. Yeah. 
and and that goes into character growth. Yeah, character growth. We, we it's almost been a year since Colson. Not only Colson, but one would also believe you know the Thanos's snap from mm-hmm. Infinity War. Mm-hmm. Even though we're not going to talk about that, right? It's been almost a year since Colson's passing. Even though you can see she's still affected by it. I mean, it's in her face. Mm-hmm. She's not letting it control her. Right. Because she even says, we got to spend more time than we thought we were going to be able to, and it was good. Mm-hmm. And that's all that matters. Yeah. And that's all we need to know, too. Yeah. The concept of traceable fuel. I love that we get to visit space and aliens and other kinds of cool stuff inside this series, mostly because it reminds me very much of Deep Space Nine where they would have something very much like this, which Mm -hmm. is traceable fuel. I love that concept, even though it looks like it might just be some sort of red herring that's dished in to provide some storytelling uh, pushing forward. But it's a it's a great concept. I loved it. I I loved all the information that we got. Yeah, it's definitely interesting. I mean, one would believe out in space, alien life forms, other cultures, they'd have something like that. Mm -hmm. Mm Mm-hmm. And here's the thing. Again, a year has gone by. So we have not watched Daisy and Simmons and Piper and Davis acclimate themselves to living in space. Mm-hmm. We're thrown into the ass end of it. They're already used to it. As well as all the other people that might have been on their team that have either left or departed or right. been killed or exactly. whatever. And I, I love that. Again, it's more storytelling that if they ever choose to be able to go back to, and they, they do it all the time with flashbacks, mm-hmm. if they ever choose to go back to either flashbacks or need a conveyance of another character or some information that was garnered or collected, they can do that, and it's totally, totally reasonable. Yeah. Much larger scope to consider. Every time I think this is just going to be, oh, so how are we going to proceed after Phil Coulson's gone? There's already five or six different layers of stuff to consider past anything that has anything to do with Phil Coulson inside of this series. And then they do nothing but continue to stack on more awesome. And and I love it. I love it. It it keeps my it keeps my attention span completely ready to take in more stuff. It allows me to be ready to take in more great storytelling. And it makes me thirst for more when we end this episode. It's it is the it is the magic elixir recipe for the enjoyment of a television series. Really what this show has been about since halfway through season one, when S.H.I.E.L.D. fell, quote-unquote fell, because Hydra was inside it, we get just a small group of people. You know, the back half of season one going into season two, it's just this small ragtag group that are living off of the scraps of what used to be S.H.I.E.L.D. Mm-hmm. And it's presented in, okay, so even though we can't have S.H.I.E.L.D. running around in the films, we can have S.H.I.E.L.D. running around in the TV shows because it'll be a lot smaller than it is in the movies. Well, here we are, season six. We got missions in space. Mm-hmm. We've grown to the fact that even though we might still be a small ragtag group, we grow, we expand, we endure... And we carry on. They carried on after Fury. They carried on after Director Mace. They've carried on after Director Coulson. This is yet another iteration of S.H.I.E.L.D. And I am elated to see how Mac runs this group. Yeah. And I we should definitely talk about that because I didn't put it inside the notes. We should definitely expand a little bit on what we're thinking about how Mac is 
acclimating. And I got to tell you, I'm smitten. Yeah. The, 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 that he's not only is their directorship waft when you see and experience him. Mm-hmm. What I also appreciate is that they built in things like his morning meeting is actually a piece of solace where he takes recordings and or knowledge that he knows, knows is from Phil Coulson and probably others mm-hmm. uh, and just listens to it so that he can grow as a director and, and start weaving in the lessons of what was into what is. It frankly reminded me of podcasting. Because as everybody knows, especially for the gajillions of people that listen to the Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. podcast, there's a lot inside of our podcast that has kind of nothing to do with the show, but becomes an educational nugget you can take and then spill into other things inside of your life. Right. Well, that's exactly what's going on here. Whether it just be previous conversations or diary entries that Coulson made, or uh, what it, I think what it also spills off into, adjunctly, is how, if, and or when they choose to bring back the Tony Stark flavor Mm. of Tony Stark inside of the MCU. Because I'm telling you, just like that last recording after Tony is dead, I guarantee you if it's only an audio recording, which it won't be, when it's the audio and visual recordings of appropriately laced Tony Starkism, it's going to be showcased someplace in some platform. It Mm -hmm. is. It just is. And so I, I love that we get that taste of that here as a contemplative development moment for a new director. I think that's great. Yo-Yo and May's growing tether. This is again inside of that ebb and flow discussion that Nick and I have been talking about for now years inside of the program that not only works, but it develops so much character for both of these two characters, whom I think we already know really, really, really well. Except we don't. Right. (laughs) And that's what I love about these scenes is that it helps us understand the characters and how we are ringside to watching them change. And it's fun. It's fun to watch them change and interact. And then as the storytelling gets spilled onto the rest of the episode, I I love all of that. Yeah. The lazy writing aspect would be, okay, what characters have we not had a scene with? (laughs) Uh, Okay, so May and Yo-Yo. We haven't had a scene with May and Yo-Yo in a while, have we? No, no, no. Okay, throw them there (laughs) then, let's see what happens. No, no, that's not what this is. It's not just because two characters haven't had a scene together in a while. It's the way that the world is now. Yo-Yo is the only powered inhuman on the team. Daisy's off, you know, Adventures in the Galaxy. It makes perfect sense that you take a character who's only relied on her powers up to now. I mean, go back to the last few seasons, and it's just because it's just because she's fast. She's Yo-Yo. You've never really seen her train, combat train. Now you have. Mm-hmm. And she's getting it from the best. Mm-hmm. She's getting it from Melinda May. And not only is it a great scene to watch, but then when you listen to what they're talking about as well, you're, you're realizing it's just... This is what girl talk is Mm -hmm. for these two female characters, and it's great. It was executed excellently. Benson's at the end of the bar, and he's quiet. I traditionally love the onset of new blood, new characters, because it brings new things. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And inside of this episode, we are not denied any of that. Right. We are provided the character of Dr. Benson, who obviously is going to be a centerpiece inside of the the front end load of what's going, happen, going mm-hmm. to happen inside of this season. I'm very excited to see what he's going to bring. And 
what I also love is it's not the slapstick comedic insert that you might think that a one note introduced quickly character is. There's obviously more depth already. And we've only just met him at the end of a bar. Right. And I love that they were able to convey all of that in a very short amount of time inside of a bar, no less. Inside of a bar, brand new character tethered to the past because it was somebody that May's Mm ex-husband studied under, studied with, and became friends with. Mm -hmm. Uh, And this is also a man who lost somebody he loved, always had a drink with the man that he loved, and then that person died. We never talk about how they died, but he died, and now the drink is to honor him slash forget him? That's tragic right there, especially from an intelligent character, mm-hmm. because it doesn't matter how much this character is going to drink. He's, he will always have more brain cells than you or I, and he will forget more than we will ever learn. So for an intelligent character like that to be introduced in, in a subpar show there'd be some sort of wacky quirk. Well, there's not. It's a tragic quirk. Because alcohol alcoholism is is a very real thing. Mm-hmm. And I'm interested to see how this character progresses dealing with that because he's now being thrown into the deep end of, well, as he calls it, chasing boogeymen. Mm-hmm. I don't know where this is going to go, but I'm, I'm very eager to see where it leads. <laughs> Appropriate quiet moments. We don't need to wax philosophic. This again is part of the ebb and flow inside of the episode, yeah. the series, every single season. <laughs> again, almost they, every single episode. Yeah. It, it, it's really well done, and as fast and as shocked as people would be if they were to walk up to me and go, "Mike, I know you review a bunch of stuff on TV and movies, and like, which, which show should people go to to take?" writing cues in regard to, you know, superb quality to hold on to an audience. Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. What? What is this Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. thing that you're referring to? Yes, Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. That comic book show on ABC (laughs) on Friday nights? You really need to start taking some lessons from this show in regard to writing because it's here. It's here inside of every single level, quality, and character type. It's all here. You want the... Strong, athletic, leadership character, fine. Here it is. Would you like to have some of the followers that are nothing but mechanical support characters that still somehow bring some sort of caring character development about their character? Guess what? That's in here, too. Yeah. And then everything in between. And when you can convey that many different layers of character development lasagna, this is what you need to be taking bites of regularly. Especially moving into a sixth season. Just crazy. And you know what? We're going to press press our luck here. Not only is it double the sixth down, season. Double yeah, down. <laughs> not only is it the sixth season, it's a seventh season. Show me another program where a network goes, you know what? Instead of just giving you 13 episodes to kind of tide you over and not piss off the fans, here's two whole seasons of television programming and go. Yeah. See ya. Yeah. For anybody well, that there. doesn't know what we're talking about, shortly after season six was announced by Disney, Marvel, whatever it was back then, yeah. They also announced that, well, we're also going to give you season seven as well. Both seasons, season six, season seven, being 13 episodes. But still, we're giving you, we're we're renewing this show for two more seasons. So enjoy, folks. Yeah. And again, that's not a, that's not a, that's not a throwing of the dice. 
that 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 is a recognition of quality mm-hmm. and trust where they go here here are a collective 26 episodes of storytelling go have fun and do the same shit you've been doing for years i love that yeah and where else do you get that what what other television show has had where it's just wide open for years and and the makers just go here do it well, there is wide nothing. open for There's years like and high quality i can't name a show yeah providing value to quote the bad guys this is another piece that inside of every movie every television show every book that i've ever read when you can it's not about humanizing the bad guys it's about providing character value to quote the bad guys that allows you to somehow relate to them one of the best samples, and this is a spoiler for the Jack Ryan series on Amazon. So if you've not seen it and you're dedicated to watching it, fast forward about three and a half minutes. Inside of the Amazon show Jack Ryan, which again, for those of you that have not seen it, you really do need to take the time. That and The Widow on Prime is, I think, required television at this point. They're both excellent, excellent stories. Anyway, uh, back to Jack Ryan. One of the pieces that Jack Ryan conveys, and this doesn't spoil everything inside of the season, so don't freak out, but inside of it, the bad guy is developed as just a dude yeah. that happens to be put into circumstances that make him turn in a direction, and the direction is terrorism. Mm. Okay, so not good. I right. mean, I get it. Yeah. But the events that befall him inside of the series, especially on the front end, then lead to what is showcased throughout the rest of the entire series. Yeah, and while it, it's not a oh well, that's why he did it. That, that's not what I'm talking about. What I'm talking about is you having at least some understanding that rather than he decided to begin twirling his mustache on a Thursday and be evil, there was at least some reason. There was a there was a series of developments inside of his life that led him to become X. Right. He's definitively a bad dude. Uh, there's no, there's no glossing around. There's no polishing up the the sharp edges. He's an evil, evil man. But you do understand. There's a concept of understanding of why. Well, yeah, yeah. And when you start doing that and layering on character development and quirks and features of whomever you're watching and or learning about, which they do wonderfully inside of this episode for the other people that are popping through the time rip distortion, blah, whatever we're going to be calling them. Mm. That's excellent character development, especially for quote the bad guys, because they're not going to just be mustache twirling monolithic discussioning people. Well, they could be. But they're not. They're specifically not here. Right. Uh, and, and again, I, I don't know if we've got enough of them yet. They're dressing the part. They're, they, I mean, they look like bad guys. <laughs> they do, but they're what, what acting like I, a team. Are, well, the, the, the very team, much so, The yes. team aspects What did I call them while them we were watching, we were watching it here? I said, did they, they look like something out of a Mad Max movie. Mad Max Rejects. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. So so already they're they're dressing differently, so they've got that that going on. But they, they are working as a cohesive team. Mm-hmm. Because it's all about getting Sarge over. Sarge mm-hmm. has to make a, a clean entry through the the dimensional portal or whatever whatever it is that we're calling it. It's a group. They're on a they they have a mission, and boom, with with the character development for your villain characters, it's it's getting that different perspective. You don't have to agree with the perspective. You don't have to like the perspective. 
but now you at least understand. Mm -hmm. And as long as the writing is solid, when it's solid character development and you understand why they're doing it and you don't want them to do it, and it's not like you're rooting for them to win, but when you can understand why they're doing what they're doing, it doesn't make them the cliched type of a villain yeah. kind of thing. Yeah. And I don't think we've ever really had that on this show. Yeah. And I don't want to have that on this show, and yeah. I don't think we're ever going to have that on yeah. this show. For those of you that are looking for other aspects in regard to, like, who, what is another really, really great sample? It is uh, Eric Lencher inside of the X-Men series, ah, okay. i.e. Magneto, because... There are many ups and downs inside of the X-Men series of feature films. There's no question about it at all. Yeah. But what you cannot deny is the quality that they've delivered to the manufacturer, the fostering, and then the transformation of what happens from that character as it goes from Ian McKellen's change into then Michael Fassbender and every iteration of what you see in between mm -hmm. for Magneto because... It is delicious. Every now and then, Ian McKellen will lay something like, I remember when they first wanted to develop a list. And things like that. Where if you were just a dude on the street and you didn't know anything about the history of what we're talking about, obviously Magneto slash Eric is referring to the Jews yes. and the Holocaust. The Holocaust. And the, the horror Nazis. that surrounded everything about that. But it's encapsulated into a sentence by that character. Mm-hmm. And so it has a foundational understanding that as long as you have some knowledge of what's going on, it actually means something. And if you have even more knowledge, you know exactly what it means. Right. And that, that layer of that layer of understanding and, and painting a picture with very few words that you get to choose how colorful you want the picture to be. Mm -hmm. That's what I love about that evil character that is Magneto, is that he's incredibly, like you'd go, well, yes, the Nazis are bad. What happened to the Jews was terrible, but I don't support anything that he's talking about. But you didn't go what he went through. Uh, right. Again, it's, Absolutely. it's uh, the, the best way to look at Magneto is, okay, as a child, his parents were murdered by the Nazis. He was thrown in a concentration camp. He had to run for, he escapes and runs for his life. He's persecuted because of how he was born. And then now put on top of that, he's also a mutant. So not only is he persecuted for being a Jew, he's persecuted for being a mutant. Well, guess what? Mutants are powerful. Mm -hmm. He doesn't want to see what happened to his people, the Jews, happen to the mutants, his other people mm -hmm. as well. So he becomes this very, very hard individual, and this is what I believe. And he, but, and he paints the line hard too. Very. That, but that, the that's thing, what I've. Oh, in fact, that is, that might be the through line through all of the characters that, it, whether it be in comics, or it be inside of the movie series, that is the line. That is. That it's is the, the line. But line. but the great thing about the character of Magneto, when done right, is there is that line. But how far do you push it before you become the thing that you hate? Right. He looks at humans the way Nazis looked yeah. at Jews. So yeah. do you become the thing that you hate to save what you love? That therein becomes the the dynamic of a, a really great bad guy. Yeah. And and even though the movies sometimes misstep and even the comic books sometimes misstep that that characterization, that right there, if you could take some semblance of that and use it for every bad guy that you create 
you got gold. Yeah, yeah. And that's where we ask you guys, what is a sample of your favorite bad guy or girl and the development of their history so as to provide a semblance of understanding? And it can be from comic books, from anything. movies, anything. Yeah. It doesn't matter. Yeah, I'm really super curious because very often when I get recommendations like that, that's when I jump into a series or a series of mm-hmm. books or whatever else. When there's a there's The story is great, but the bad guy is so awesome. Yeah, yeah. Let yeah. us know what you think by going over to our Facebook presence. That's the Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. podcast over on Facebook. Look for us, find us, like it, and share our discussions there with everyone else you know. Making the jump. This is great. It reminded me very much of Endgame, where the very first and only jump for many of our heroes gets made, and you see it once, and then it's done. Mm -hmm. And I loved it. It was developed wonderfully. I love that Simmons has dialed in the alternative coordinates against everybody else's wishes. Yeah. And then throws, literally throws the switch, which the switch needs a couple of bolts or something because the entire, might be the only production design problem inside of the entire episode. But the, the whole the whole structure that that switch is on moves when she throws it backwards. Well, the Zephyr has been banged up. It I has mean, been banged I mean, up. It, it might be a little loose. <laughs> You need a crescent wrench up in there. Anyway, I I loved it all. It was a tremendous, literal jumping point inside the episode that was handled with great special effects, anticipation. The uh, what I what I love the most is the time that they took between Daisy looking at Simmons and her line, and then the throwing of the switch. The cadence of all that was perfect inside that scene because you know what she's done. Yeah. And you get to see that now Daisy knows what she's done, and then it happens. Yeah. Uh, it's, it's really, really well done. Again, we're, we've jumped ahead a year, and we've, we can already tell how strenuous it has been for the crew. Mm-hmm. You mm-hmm. know, more, People have left. And when we started this at the very end of Season 5, mm-hmm. it was a ship full of people. We're, mm-hmm. All right, we're going to go and rescue Fitz. Well, now it's only four people. And we can see that the Zephyr has been banged up. So they've been in a lot of fights. The, this is four characters at the end of their rope because they believe, oh, well, this is it. There, there, is, no, there is no more hope. Mm-hmm. Well, you know, Simmons has hope. But nobody else wants to believe her. She's not a bad person for having this obsession for wanting to find the love of her life. But when you stop thinking of other people, you do kind of become the bad guy of your group. So I love this dynamic that they have of Simmons is so desperate to find Fitz because she knows he's out there, yet she's willing, She the willingness to say, screw the rest of you, I know I'm right, I'm going to find my husband. That That's dynamic, and that's, again, character development because if roles were reversed and... Fitz was there and Simmons was lost out there, you know for a fact he'd do the exact same thing. Mm -hmm. There would be no giving up. So it's not a surprise that she would do it, but it is a bit of a it is a bit of a betrayal. And I'm interested moving forward for episode two to see how the rest of the crew deals with Simmons and uh, her uh, not taking them back home. Taking up positions at the museum. The first thing I loved about all this is that they're bothering to include the center of the United States. (laughs) 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 They they choose to go to Indiana, which is awesome. 
we're not in Indiana, we're in Missouri, but it doesn't make any difference. Just that they're not focusing on one of the coasts again. Right, yeah. Is is nice. It's Well remember they they half destroyed a couple of blocks of Chicago at the mm-hmm. end of season five. Yeah. So I, I love that they're continuing on their merry adventures inside of the Midwestern experience. So thank you very much, writers. But what I also loved about this whole scene is that with the exception of maybe there's just not quite enough people that are filtering around inside of a museum, though, maybe it's during closing hours or it's Mother's Day or whatever it is. Maybe it's the middle of the day. Maybe it's a weekday. People people got to work. Yeah. Yeah. Other than the lack of people, I thought it was all appropriate. And that the S.H.I.E.L.D. team rolls in, you know, begins their reconnoiter. <laughs> all of that is is wonderfully done inside of this. You got to clear this area, people. Yeah. I, I loved all that, that they finally had a couple of guys ushering people out of the out of harm's way. Awesome. They're all the gangs all here to so to speak. And then the arrival of Sarge. The lead up to this is tremendous with the lady team member disrobing a bit, cutting her forehead so that she's bleeding, going out with the sob story of my son, my son, my son. Yeah, yeah. I loved all of that because it's extraordinarily real where if you needed to get behind enemy lines and you're the bad guy, well, how would you do it? Well, let's take our woman character. Let's make, make her, her look, look like something terrible has happened. Right. Make her look and hey, weak. by the way, why don't you scream about your 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 darling Rush son? Rush in to save her, bring her into the safety of you know the good guy's side, mm-hmm. and then yeah, and then you, cut loose. And here we are, here we are, and it's tremendous. Everything from the gorgeous special effect of the spire of the museum piece just completely disintegrating, yeah, into oh, yeah. nothingness to snapping back from that to all of our concussed heroes and anti-heroes, all of it. I, it's all wonderfully done. It puts you right in the center of exactly what's going on for everybody, not just one person. And I, I appreciate that as a person taking in the story. Mm-hmm. But what I really appreciated was then the arrival of this gargantuan steaming locomotive yeah. of uh, this Against something gorgeous. out of a Mad Max movie. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. And the, the production design was incredibly well done, especially on this truck arriving. Again, I go back to, you know, what is going to come out of the mist? Because over the course of the last eight and a half cinematic hours, what we have really been focusing on is one lone figure popping out of that fuzzy haze, him wearing a gold helmet and a golden gauntlet. That's what we've been focusing on. And so looking at that haze, they allow it just long enough so that you don't really have any idea what's coming out. Right. And then when it does come out, it's epic. It's absolutely epic. The only way it could get more epic? It's Coulson. Holy smokes. I, again, for those that don't listen to our show, shame on you. Go listen to the last five years of our program. I am not spoiler boy. I avoid spoilerific anything like it is the plague. And because of it, I know I am a much more well-rounded and supportive fan. There's no question in my mind. I will continue to profess being anti-spoilerific. And all of you that have thanked me for doing so, you're welcome. Anyway, I have paid attention to nothing that is either a trailer, that is how they're going to somehow weave agents into the snapping. None of it. I haven't, I haven't read an ounce of any of it. And this is why. Was there? A, do you know of anything that was issued that said Phil's coming back as Evil Phil? Yes. Okay. There was a trailers 
and uh, clips that uh, were uh, released over the last uh, handful of weeks, I used to be the guy that absorbs everything because I wanted to have an idea of what I was walking into. And over the last few years where trailers have been concerned, it's too much. Yeah. I have actually gotten to the point to where, like you, I don't want to be spoiled anymore. I want to have an idea so it's the first trailer to get my 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 mouth watering and my appetite, right. you mm-hmm. know, built. Yep. I'm going to go see this movie anyway. I'm going to watch this show anyway. So I stayed away from a lot of the spoilerific stuff about Agents of Shield moving forward except for of course the trailer. Mm-hmm. I'm going to watch your first trailer. And in the first trailer there there's hints. It's like yes, that's Clark Gregg, but is that Phil Coulson? And you're you're left wondering that in in the uh, the advertisements leading up to this episode, and well, that's not Phil Coulson. Yeah, and when the, the more you explain it, the I'm more even more satisfied I am that I didn't imbibe. Yeah, yeah. Because I much prefer the the tone and tenor that I have right now, knowing that in the front end of the episode they paint it that he is dead, yeah. and that we then get this character that apparently just happens to look like Phil Coulson. That's a completely different light and flavor than I would have gotten had I been, quote, spoiled by the spoiler of the trailer. So I'm glad that both you and Podcaster Kip both told me that I should avoid the trailer. And I did. I I absolutely did. Wackadoo eyes. (laughs) This is fun. Not only are we finally given some fits inside of this episode. My man fits. We've been seeking him for the last 43 minutes, and we finally get him inside of the last minute, inside the uh, stinger at the end of this episode. But we're giving him after he has injected himself and he turns around and wackadoo eyes. <laughs> yeah. What is that about? I don't know. Where, okay, so he's on some alien planet. He's injecting himself with something that makes his eyes go a little wacky. What has Fitz been up to? Because when you when you rewind a second, just 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 think about season five. And remember, Crumbs of Earth. Traveling through the the, the monolith, mm-hmm. Fitz took the long way around. He yep. was frozen, stayed frozen, and then woke up in the future. Mm-hmm. Well, they've changed the timeline, so the real question is: is that did this stuff happen to Fitz the first time? You know, was his ship attacked, and he had to find a way to freeze himself again? Blah 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 to get to the future, or is this part of the brand new timeline? Again, where time travel is concerned, especially after watching Endgame, lots of questions arise where time travel, alternate realities, and things like that are are concerned. But this is a great way to ensure your audience, you know, the audience members who are like, well, I've watched this episode. I don't know if I'm coming back for episode two. This is a great (laughs) way to grab those people and say, oh, yeah, yeah. You're coming back for episode two. Yeah. You you love it when I somehow am able to twist the direction of this program into the shield. Oh, of course. And so I shall. (laughs) (laughs) Inside of the shield, it reminded me, it's not every single episode, but it's many of the episodes where there's at least a tether to a previous episode or a tether that's throwing a frontward facing lasso into something that's going to happen that relates to the past. And so there is a tie through that episode. Mm -hmm. And 
I, I love stuff like that. I, I, I exist for that because not only is it great character development, it is literally the lasso that drags an audience through, through a series of, of stories Mm -hmm. that then speaks directly almost always to character development. So I love it. I, I absolutely love it. And this show is no exception at all. Yeah. It, there's got to be, I don't know, 30 different lassoes <laughs> that are dragging you through to the next episode, along with probably another 30 that were laid last season. And that's what I'm talking about in regard to great storytelling. Show me another show that allows you to have that many question marks that are engaging enough to then rip you through another series of episodes. Mm. And I don't know it. I don't know another show. We've talked about a lot about our very first post-snapping revisit to the Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. universe here during our review of Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. on ABC and Hulu streaming season six, episode one, Missing Pieces. We will be right back. Thought about a career in voiceover? Need a great, cost-effective on-hold message for your organization or business? Don't know where to start? Check out The Voice Farm, your one-stop shop for voiceover needs. Check it out now by accessing The Voice Farm at voicefarmers.com and see what difference can be made with a company that is truly outside the box. From The Voice Box, voicefarmers.com. That's voicefarmers.com. For most, Friday the 13th means Jason Voorhees. What a lot of people don't know, however, is that there was another Friday the 13th, the television series. Join your podcast hosts, Mike and Nick, as they review the search for cursed antique goods during a perspective review of Friday the 13th, the series. It's the Curious Goods Podcast. Check it out now at CuriousGoodsPodcast.com. That's CuriousGoodsPodcast.com. Wouldn't it be cool if your advertising could last forever? It can, with perpetual advertising. Here's how it works. Magazine, radio, and television ads are efforts that people might see or hear once, and then they're lost forever. Perpetual advertising provides you with the chance for repeat exposure and replayability weeks, months, even years after it's originally inserted inside a podcast. So even after your advertising is included in a podcast years ago, those efforts are still impactful, providing you with true return on investment. Real impact, thanks to perpetual advertising. Are you ready to change the way you and your company or organization advertises? Find out more and launch a unique perpetual advertising effort right now by visiting twoguystalking.com forward slash sponsors. Everyone, welcome back to the Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. podcast, a complete, detailed, and always educational review of each and every episode of Marvel's Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. on ABC and Hulu streaming. This time, we're reviewing Season 6, Episode 1, Missing Pieces. Every time we come back from break, it's time to open up our S.H.I.E.L.D. dossiers. 
The Shield dossiers is where Nick and I take just a moment to look at either an actor's portrayal, a storytelling item, or something else that tripped our collective review night fantastic. Nick, what do you got? I'm going to warn you right now and the rest of our audience. My dossier is going to be something controversial and it may ruin the rest of your life. <laughs> oh, the spoiler warning for everyone's life. The, no, the spoiler, awesome. Yes. Moving forward where this show is concerned. <laughs> Nick is so sorry that he's ruined your life. I'm not sorry because <laughs> I'm can, not sorry. I, and let me, this is let the me, warning, but I'm not sorry. Okay. So, my S.H.I.E.L.D. dossier <laughs> is filled with this show has no connection to Endgame whatsoever. You're, you're scratching your head. You want to know why. Before the season premiere of this episode came out, there was an article, and I will link the article on our show notes over at agentsofshieldpodcast.com so you can read the full thing. I'm not going to read it for you. I'm going to simplify it for you. This season of Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. was written and produced without knowing the events of Endgame. They had no idea how that movie was going to play out. They're not dealing with the snapping at all. I want to share my feelings about that. Because when I read the article before watching this episode, but I had to know... I had to know how this show was going to fit in because I knew going in that it was going to be one year later. Mm -hmm. And anybody who watched Endgame knows that there was a five-year time jump. Mm -hmm. So I'm like, ooh, are we actually going to get to see the devastation and the effects of the snapping? And our agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. are going to be the feet on the ground mm. and be able mm -hmm. to experience that way because we don't get any of that in Endgame. Mm -hmm. We get... Big wide shots of a bunch of ships around Ellis Island, empty ball stadiums, and then there's a lot of trash everywhere. Because evidently, you know, when half of the population of a planet goes away, it took all the of the it took all of the garbage men, not just half of them, just all of the garbage men. <laughs> we don't get enough of the impact of losing half of everything on Earth from Endgame. I was hoping that that's what we were going to be able to deal with with Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., that loss, the human loss, because that's what this show's always really been about. It's been it's been less of the super heroics and more of the heroics. Until we had Daisy, we didn't really have any kind of superhero characters. Well, that's not the case. There were enough subtle nods to loss without saying... Thanos snaps shit out of existence. And if we continue the show like that to where there's nods of loss, but not actually referring to the film itself, I'm okay with that. Because other than that, you have to believe that this is some sort of alternate universe. And it's not. It's not an alternate universe. I'm upset because you're telling me that this giant studio, this entity that is controlling all of this, doesn't care enough about its TV property to tell them enough to where their narrative can fit into the rest of the universe? Because remember, what have we been saying for years, Mike? It's all connected. No, it's not. Not anymore. They don't care about their TV anymore, unless it's, of course, going to be on their streaming service. For a show that started and relied heavily on the movie universe to be its backbone, season one, 
it all built up to the revelation of Hydra being in S.H.I.E.L.D. I mean, it was it was literally connected to the Winter Soldier. And moving forward, it's 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 always been reacting to the films until season four when it stopped and started doing its own thing. Season four, season five. It didn't have to rely on the cinematic universe, yet it still felt like it was it was a part of it. Now, knowing that it will not have any kind of real direct impact from the film. I think that's a missed opportunity yeah. for storytelling wise. I'm going to join you in, in that. I, I think I, this isn't too dissimilar than our discussion of bad guys where mm. I understand what you're saying. I just don't agree with it. Okay. So I, I get it. I, I absolutely, especially, especially knowing how you like to Nick pick things, <laughs> especially in regard to timelines. Cause you do. You, it, it's a, it's a piece I of, think it's, I think it, it's a piece, it, it's important. Yeah, it's a piece of Nick DNA that I've just come to love and you know. just have to deal with it. Yes. Yes. So I, I get Take it. Take me as I am. I get it. And, and this doesn't have anything to do with my dossier, but I think what might have been a really interesting point, it would have totally taken the opportunity to paint a couple of pages of this episode and season into infinity war and Endgame and the entire MCU is if when Simmons goes and opens up the luggage carrier for the top of the Astro van and inside is supposed to be fits, it's nothing but dust. And there, there's well, your question mark and you right. don't actually know what happened and which snap are we between And I mean, it could have been that simple and then, well, and then, yeah. and then she, she just, but then we don't get fits for the entire season. Well, no, that's not true because you don't know when the other snap happens inside of the visible showing timeline. It doesn't mean that a year would have to go by or five years would have to go by. It means that time would just go by. The the wonderful nature of everything that's happening inside of weird timelines, because we're experiencing it now, is that different things happen and then there's a way to write through them. If, if I had told you that uh, after we see the ship gets... Uh, chopped in half at the front end of this episode uh-huh. where Fitz is he's in the he's he's in the bubble dude he's not he's not out and doing something right the the alien that's in there with him is inside the ship about to be destroyed and then the thing comes through and destroys the ship it's uh-huh. right there but it wasn't and somehow good things happen rather than bad things and we haven't found out how yet but they did it they were able to especially for the first episode they were able to paint through all of that with what will eventually be, I think, probably, some really great, brilliant storytelling. Uh-huh. I'm absolutely willing to think that they could have handled giving delivering us one snapped person with no special effects. But the reason that the the dust hasn't blown away is because it was encapsulated inside of that that the cargo carrier. I think that would have been a very interesting nod. It would have been a, a, I think, superbly straightforward tether. It doesn't get any more interesting than there used to be a body in there, and now there's just dust. Hmm. You don't really have to think much about that. You don't, because you know that that's from the snapping. Right. But we get none of that. Right, I know that. I'm Again, it's just prophesizing what might have been interesting. Well, and I wish we would have gotten <clears throat> something interesting. I wish there would have been a tether to the movie universe. Yeah. My whole dossier is about the fact that we talk about this show standing on its own, mm-hmm. which is great. Mm-hmm. I will never take that away from it. But the fact that it's always been somewhat connected has been, well, it's the interesting part. Because, again, I, I will reiterate, it's all connected. Well, now it's not. Mm-hmm. It's not. 
it's not going to take away my enjoyment for this show. But again, I call it missed opportunity where connecting your TV yeah. properties and your film properties are concerned. Yeah. It's it's almost as if they're taking steps backwards. Yeah. And that's I, just that's just it's sad in my mind. I, I, I think I I think I'll agree with you that I wish they could have had something, that it's a step backwards. I don't think I'm gonna join you there. Okay. That's where we ask you guys. Was it a step backwards? Let us know what you think. Go on over to our website. That's agentsofshield.tv. Click on the contact button. Fill out the web form and tell us your thoughts. Well, an elongated Nick side of the dossier section there. I think my dossier inside this episode will focus squarely on Dr. Benson. I love the onset of great characters. I smell something truly great that is emanating inside of not just the body, but the very rich, deep background painting in an incredibly short period of time for Dr. Benson inside this episode. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I would I would liken it to May's husband, where I think if we collectively took all the time he appeared on screen over the course of four plus seasons, I don't think it's more than maybe twenty minutes. Do you? Yeah, possibly. And and I think we have some reasonably deep, solid storytelling that's available from that that helps paint even more storytelling and character development for Melinda May. And so I'm really looking forward to Dr. Benson. I, I, I think we're I think we're going to have something that is not just physically completely outside the box. We've never had a dude that's as old as he is inside of the character that he is inside of this show. We don't have we have nothing. They've all been reasonably young. They've none of them has had an outright, quote, drinking problem that's referred to so boldly. All right. Not not to beat anybody about the head, but the man that he's referring to, I'm assuming, also means that he's inside of a gay relationship. Uh, again, I, I'm super curious where they can take the storytelling in directions that open wide open on a televised screen that, while maybe not directly connected, look, there's dusted people all over the place. It is connected because it's great storytelling. That's where we ask you guys, what was your dossier for this episode, Season 6, Episode 1, Missing Pieces? Let us know what you think now by going to our website, agentsofshield.tv. Fill out the quick web form. Tell us what you think. Ah, the rating, our return to the Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. podcast. It's time for the first rating, Season 6, Episode 1, Missing Pieces. The scale works thusly. A 10 is on top of the heap. A completely destroyed museum, but everybody lives. A 1 is on the bottom of the scale. Untethered storytelling that destroys this series. Everything starts as 7 as an average. The numbers go up with positives. The numbers go down with negatives. And Nick? There are no halvesies. Nick, what do you got? I first have to say, it's great to be back. I love the dynamic that we have on the Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. podcast because it's a show that weaves the the sci-fi fantasy adventure stuff that we love, slaps a little bit of that comic book-esque-ness into it because it is based off of a comic book series and exists in a quote-unquote comic book-based cinematic universe. Asterisk. There was nothing negative at all about this episode. That I, I can't complain about the episode itself. I can complain about the people who run the company who created the show. 
But I can't complain about this show. This was a great episode that had wonderful pacing. Their ability to take three different storylines and weave them together and you never feel bored. And it goes by so quickly. And there is when you know that you have a great show. Mm -hmm. When 43 minutes or an hour, depending on if you're watching it with commercials as well. If an hour can go by and you you realize, holy crap, it's been an hour already. Not only that, but the fact that we as reviewers can watch it once and then want to watch it again. Watch it several times before we actually make our actual review. And because we talked about this, your your scale doesn't really work because I'm not allowed to give it a 30. So I'm going to give it a 10. I think that's well said. Again, I, the the real label for a 10 of anything is that if a 7 is an average, if you were to throw an episode of anything over to somebody and go, here, you need to watch this episode to understand what's going on inside of this program, this is above that mm-hmm. without question. Because while it doesn't give you, again, I, I don't know how to break this to everybody, but with the exception of one scene with Daisy, there are no superpowers that are showcased inside of this episode. Yeah. There's no yo-yo at all. Yep, she doesn't move fast at all. Nothing, no. nothing. And I, again, I, I provide that to the power of the show in that it doesn't need to. It, it doesn't need to because of the real rich character development and storytelling that happens inside of the show every single episode. This beginning episode marks a very interesting season because... How do you go up from a 10? That's where we ask you guys, what did you rate this episode? The onset of Season 6, Episode 1 of Season 6 of Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. Missing Pieces. Let us know what you think by going over to our website. That's agentsofshield.tv. Click on the contact button, fill out the quick web form, and tell us what you think. Until next time, I'm Mike Wilkerson, one of your hosts. Yeah, and I'm Nicholas J. Hearn, your other host. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next time. thankful you were able to review this covert communication reviewing the most recent episode of marvel's agents of shield a chronicle of the stories and soon-to-be legends on abc be sure to tune in to our ongoing top secret communication with agents all over the globe via our facebook presence immediately facebook.com forward slash shield podcast to be the first to be made aware of agents of shield news the arrival of our newest reviews and more the agents of shield podcast a super show for fans of superheroes. Uncover the mysteries, critical information, and reviews now by accessing agentsofshield.tv. That's agentsofshield.tv. End this top secret two guys talking communication. Nick, what do you got? I rate the show a 10, but I rate this podcast a zero because <laughs> my co- co-host is an asshole. Because he takes any any slightly negative thing I say and turns it into this, this drama show of where I just <laughs> fat, flat out hate everything. I give Mike a zero. <laughs> <clears throat> Mike gets a negative six.